0: Hello, everyone. I'm Jack Hanna, your host for the Asian American Unity Coalition's monthly podcast, Building Our Collective American Dream. For this 16th episode, we interview Joel Wong and Dennis Wu, who helped organize Asian Americans and participated in the recent and successful San Francisco School Board recall election earlier this year. Several people have characterized the political event as a great awakening of the Asian American community. Joel and Dennis share their historical perspectives of the community's past lack of involvement by describing a powerful and telling story about the famous or infamous California San Francisco politico Willie Brown, who once said Asians don't matter. Well, Joel, Dennis, and thousands of others in the Bay Area just proved him wrong, and they have a plan to continue to have that be the case throughout the country. Let us now join Joel and Dennis as they provide us with a historical analysis of past political apathy, recent political success, and the formula and strategy for for future increased and effective political participation by the Asian American community. AAUC welcomes Joel Wong and Dennis Wu. Thank you for joining us today. Joel, you've been involved with political organizing for many years. As far as the Asian American and Pacific Island communities concerned. please describe your experience and vision and goal and the intention that you have as far as your efforts organizing the Asian American community throughout the United States and in the San Francisco Bay area specifically.
1: I got active after I retired from my day job in 2000. I went into Asian empowerment movement in a big way. I was working with 8020 PAC and I was also working with APAPA. That was the Chinese American Political Association. That is basically the granddaddy of all the organization in the Bay Area. After many years working in this area, we find out that it's not easy to work with other Asian American much less to say Chinese-American, because we are basically individuals who have different ideas and opinions. And we figure out that we have to work together as a group. And there are several of us that come to the same conclusion that we have to gel. We have to get all the Asians to work together. And several years back, we've realized that the Jewish-Americans supported us when the anti-Asian-American movement during Trump and they wrote a very nice letter to a papa where I was volunteering and they say that, we support you, we know how you feel. So we were very moved and we make it a concerted effort to work with the Jewish American, the African American, and also this Hispanic. So we were working as a group and now it got to be a good thing and we want to keep it going. Thank you, Joel.
0: Dennis, you were involved organizing the community in the San Francisco Bay Area these past six months or so with regard to a recall effort that concerned three school board members of the San Francisco School District. The election occurred last month, and it was a resounding victory for those that opposed the retention of those three school board members. Could you please describe what happened as far as the prompting of the the recall effort? What were the grievances of the community? How was the Asian American community affected? And what was their impressions and positions with regard to the recall effort?
2: Thank you. I think in order to help people understand the school board recall, I'd like to turn the clock back just a little bit and share some data. We Chinese are about 22 23% of San Francisco's population. Collectively, we Asians are 36% of the population in San Francisco. I have avoided getting involved in Asian politics for many reasons, but I finally came to the conclusion that it's important for us to do something because when I was on the San Francisco Chamber of Commerce Board, Willie Brown had just been elected. mayor. And his first meeting after that, he had not appointed hardly any Chinese to a key commission. And he was asked why. And Willie said, they don't matter. He paused. And he said again, they don't matter. And typical Willie said, because they don't vote. That was 20 some years ago, 30 years ago. And it burned a scar in me. And I said, you know what? He is right. And our people do not vote. We are voiceless. We're ignored. We have been disenfranchised. We have been divided. And then all of a sudden, we had issues of what was happening in our schools. We all know we went through COVID and our kids, our children could not go to school. I have now an 18-year-old son at Lowell High School. He's a senior. It was almost a year he didn't go to school. you do work offline. Parents were anxious. They were concerned. Our school board instead traditionally has been a stepping stone for people who have political ambition. Not for the education of kids, but as a stepping stone, the Board of Supervisors, or otherwise. And the whole three of them never even had kids. Instead of focusing on reopening schools when other schools were reopened, they focus on the renaming of forty-four schools. They spent barely any time on the renaming. They want to rename Roosevelt School. They don't even know which Roosevelt that they're angry at. They want to rename Lincoln High School. They want to rename Lowell High School. You know, further research on that shows that there was nothing discriminatory or anything bad that this person named Lowell did. They want to rename George Washington High. They want to remove a mural that's been at George Washington High for, I don't know, 50-plus, many, many years. They want to remove merit-based entrance exams at Lowell. Parents are upset. So two parents, a gentleman named Shiva Raj and another parent named Autumn Lofjan, their husband and wife. I believe that Autumn has some kids from previous marriage. They were upset. So they basically started a grassroots movement, and the whole effort was grassroots. There were people that came who were never engaged politically. Parents initiated signature gathering that in front of lower High. People drove by and signed petition. There was one Chinese gentleman. Incredible, incredible story. His name is Kit Lam. He personally gathered twelve thousand signatures. All together, the group collected two hundred and forty thousand signatures. Some people said, "Oh, this is a Republican effort. This is big people who are trying to disrupt things." Well, as you mentioned, it was smashingly successful never been heard before. Every one of them was ousted by over 70% of the votes. One of them, the recall vote against her was almost 80%. And I think the message is very, very clear. What they did not do was not acceptable. You know, the amazing part is the Asian parents, the Chinese parents who didn't get got involved. Ballots were in Chinese, were reaching out to them in Cantonese and Mandarin. In San Francisco, on school board matters, parents who have kids who are 17 or younger are allowed to vote. Vote, even though you're non-citizen. People have never voted, voted. And this is the amazing part of the story. People learned that they can have a voice. And this is the story, what happened. And more importantly, when I first got involved, I got involved in a Papa originally. I was recruited in there. We spun off and, and created a new entity called SF Cause. I was told by a fellow committee, 100 member, when I first did the demographic analysis, that Dennis, if we Chinese, if we Asians, cannot have a political voice in San Francisco, we will not have it anywhere in America. And he's right. But also in the process of what we're doing, because collectively, if you were to take Asians at 36 percent, you add the Latinos at 15 percent, you add the blacks at 5 percent, you add the LBGTs who are not Chinese or Asians, another 10 percent, and you add our Jewish brothers and sisters, we are 70 percent of the population in San Francisco. All minorities, all victims of hate. And we are working together in unity against hate. And this is what this election has done. So
0: let me ask you this, Dennis, how did you organize the community for this particular election in the sense of what traditional techniques you employed as far as GOTV getting out the vote? And what differences did you employ as compared to prior elections that were new and unique?
2: You know, I can't take credit for any of that. It was a grassroots movement. A lot of parents, a lot of people, intelligent, smart, educated people, people who cared on their own started doing things. And we started to find out who they are, and we just started talking to each other, and we started to get to know each other, school board. It was totally a grassroots movement. People getting involved, people calling their neighbors, and their neighbors talking to their neighbors, and saying, education is so important. we got to get engaged, energized. And it wasn't just an Asian movement. There were a lot of white parents involved, people in other communities involved, Latino communities. And this is part of this liaison bridge building that Joel mentioned. We started connecting with parents in a Black community and other communities. And we learned that education is very important to everybody. And this was really the, the rallying point. And through this process, we got to know each other. There are people involved. Nobody reached out to recruit them. They came because they want to get involved. And that's how they effect they got recruited. It's like what happened after the Japanese bombed America in World War II. People were lining up to get involved because their kids' future was at risk. And this is the unity that's come about from this. And you see that all across America. You see that in pockets of different places where they're trying to eliminate merit-based education. They don't understand. They're trying to down it to to increase the GPAs of non-performers instead of recognizing that what they need is tutoring and they need help. And the most amazing, interesting part about it is that the young people who want to tutor, they want to help others. And, And I think this whole movement could be a very unifying factor across the country.
0: In reviewing SF-CAUSE's website, I noted it has a particular focus on education along with senior citizens. Has those previous efforts assisted you with the recall efforts in organizing the community because of those historic contacts and efforts?
2: It did. You know, we changed the name from PAPA to SF-CAUSE, and SF-CAUSE stands for San Francisco Community Alliance for Unity, Safety, and Education. And we recognized very early with what was happening with COVID that safety was important. We always understood that education was very important for the future of America. And so it's really ingrained in our name, it's SF cause unity, safety, education. And so it's a natural thing for us to get involved in, focusing on education. And in fact, we created a super PAC, Asian American community engagement. And that was at the urging of Sandy Chow, who basically said, You got to have a super PAC. you gotta get involved in the school board recall. And I'm gonna give you guys money this And we did. We got engaged. We supported the mail flyer that was put together by the Chinese American Democratic Club, which had a picture of Asians marching and said, we will not be silenced anymore.
0: Did you find the Political Action Committee a method and a means by which you were able to more effectively have an impact on voter participation as far as the Asian American community? And if so, are you intending to employ that tactic technique mechanism in the future as far as other elections are concerned?
2: Well, we make contributions individually to candidates separately, oftentimes if it's lost. So we want to find a way that Asians can start being identified as a large group. And in some cases, it may be getting them to contribute to a PAC. Now, what we want to do is put our money in, but we will also vote and we'll demand a place, a seat to be heard. We'll expect to be heard. That sounds like a new strategy that makes a great deal of
0: sense to me. Is there an intention or a proposal going forward that this kind of approach would be adopted by other Asian American communities throughout the United States above and beyond San Francisco?
2: Yes, there is. You and I have not spoken before and actually anticipated what we're doing. The goal is that the model that we create in San Francisco would be a model that we picked up in other locations. And Joel and I have a very close colleague in Ohio and other places that have been working with us, watching what we're doing. And the whole idea, again, is we want to get it local, we want to have 501c3s that are focused on getting people engaged, and we will encourage them to also create packs to support. You got to put money behind the other efforts. And so we're working on a model that other people can use and example and say, look, it worked. And we can do the same thing. What more can we be doing to get others to recognize that this movement can be moved forward to other areas? Safety. Safety is a very, very big issue. In San Francisco, between 2020 and 2021, attacks on Asians went up 567%. You know, yesterday was the anniversary of the massacre in Atlanta against, what, six Asian women. Women are attacked in very higher percentage than anyone else. Older people are attacked because they are viewed to be easy praise. That has got to stop. And so that's what we're focusing on. Over a year ago, working with the San Francisco Police Department, we started distributing tip lines in Chinese. We ended up three months later, the tip line is now in nine languages. Spanish, Tagalog, Cantonese, Mandarin, Thai, Korean, Japanese, even Russian.
0: I want to go back to the issues that you have focused on and described, and I would characterize them as quality of life issues, education, and public safety, or law enforcement. Now, those are issues that are not just specific to an ethnic community, but to the public at large. And so in order to successfully promote a candidate or a political effort, you have to obtain a majority of voters. So as part of these quality of life issues, my surmises: you need to develop alliances, partnerships, and coalitions with other communities in order to build the network to obtain a majority vote. I presume that that is part of the strategy above and beyond formulating the 501c3s and organizing political action committees. Could you speak to this issue with regard to coalitions and partnerships and alliances?
2: Well, you know, that's the reason why I changed the name from a Papa to SF Cause. There is no Asian in SF Cause. It's San Francisco Community Alliance. And from the very first major event that we did back last May, We had speakers of all colors of the rainbow, literally all colors of the rainbow, talking about Asians, even within Asians, with Chinese, with Japanese, Korean. We had blacks, we had gays, we had Jewish, JCRC. We had Latino. We were very careful that every group was represented. If you don't talk to each other and you don't meet each other, you don't get to know each other. And so all too often, when you have events that people go to, the various groups that come in sit together. They are talking only to each other. And so unless you're willing to break that unless you're willing to meet other people. America is made up of people from all kinds of backgrounds. And so we're just basically taking that same concept and saying that we're all Americans and we have got to start getting to know each other. And we find that we have more in common than we don't have in common. And our strength has been when we unite and work together. And it all gets back to quality of life issues that you mentioned. It is education. It is safe. It is about quality of life. We all have the same basic needs. So
0: what are the consequences and the benefits, hopefully, of a successful campaign within the San Francisco Bay Area community with regard to the school board? I note that recently, Mayor Breed appointed temporarily until, I believe, November, the three successor school board members, and I'm curious as to what impact you believe the recall effort had on Mayor Breed's selection of the three replacements, which, as I understand it, a Chinese-American businesswoman, an Iranian woman, and a Jamaican Jewish Stanford professor. So could you please describe what the political consequences were as far as decision making is concerned by the mayor as to the recall effort?
2: Well, you know, what I do know about it, I did recommend one person almost immediately, and I understand that she got a call from the mayor chief of staff the day after I submitted my letter. I'm not taking credit for it, but I'm just, it's probably a coincidence. And from what I know about all three of them are outstanding candidates. And I already had a conversation with one of them. We want to get to know all three of them and we want to support all three of them collectively because from everything that I've read and others have read, they have a very high priority and emphasis on education. I want them to be able to focus on what needs to be done with respect to their job at the school board and not need to worry about the election campaign in November. All three of them, from what we know or a little bit novice. I would like to see us take the same group of people who were involved in the recall and for us to collectively pull together and support their election so that they'll have a chance to do the job that we fought so hard of getting the three people out so they can do the job that we want them to do. And we're going to start that conversation among ourselves.
0: If I might,
2: Joel, could
0: we ask you to add your perspective with regard to the consequences that have resulted from the successful effort to ask three school board members from the school board and what that means to the Asian American community in San Francisco specifically and to the Asian American community nationally going forward as far as political participation and organization is concerned?
1: Well, there is nothing better than a successful story, and Dennis was very careful about not taking credit. It's a grassroots movement, but it's encouraging to a lot of Asian Americans. Dennis mentioned the fact that Willie Brown once said something that the Asians don't matter. So that made a big impression on Dennis, and he is pretty much, uh, how should I say, obsessed about it. I think it's a good lesson that we learned, that we have to speak up because in the past few years, the pandemic is blamed on the Chinese, the China virus, the Kung flu, and so on. And as a result, the hate crime against Asian American has increased. Like Dennis said, over 536% or something like that in San Francisco. And we have to remember, we American just like anybody else. And in order to succeed in the American society, we have to play it by the rules. The rules is that you get involved you register to vote and you exercise your right at the voting booth. And this is a lesson I hope Asian Americans can learn now. We have some differences. We have to learn how to agree on issues that are to all of us. And I hope This is a lesson that we learn. I hope that Asian-Americans can work together. There's a lot of baggage that some of the newer immigrants bring from the old countries. We are not strong enough by ourselves. So we have to reach out to the Jewish-American, who is very supportive of us, and we have to work with the other minorities. So this is the lesson I hope we learn in San Francisco as the Asian community as a whole, that we have to work together.
2: Jack, if I could just add to this. We're talking about San Francisco, but there was an election last November when President Biden won Georgia. He squeaked by it. It was expected he would get the black votes, but it was the Asian vote that won that election for him. And people poo-pooed it and said, ah, it ain't going to happen again. Guess what? Two senators that elected, again, the Black vote was expected, but I submit that it's probably the Asian votes that swung it over. And so now we're taking what we're doing in San Francisco and actually taking it further. And Joe and I and Albert Wang and several other people, we are expecting and demanding that Asians who are running for public office will get along, that affect the Asian community and other minority communities. And so that is really important, unity. And that's what we're going to demand and expect.
0: My final question goes to the Chinese New Year celebration in San Francisco, which was very fortuitously timed shortly after the election itself. One of the rewards of political endeavors is success, and it's appropriate to celebrate that. Could you describe generally what the atmosphere was like and what the conversations were within the community about what was accomplished and how it fit into the celebration of the Lunar or New Year that day?
1: I'll go first, and Dennis can add on to it. San Francisco, after two years' shutdown, was ready to party. San Francisco is a party town, and we have St. Patrick Parade, we have the Gay Parade, we have Cinco de Mayo, and the Chinese New Year Parade is one of the ten biggest Parade around the world. And it's the biggest New Year parade outside of Asia. So everybody was ready to party. And it was very fortuitous that we were participating in it. So we raised some money and we invited Asian American elected officials to march with us. And the limit was 50 because the parade can only accommodate so much. But then much more than 50 people wanted to join. It was very celebratory. And, and this is a really, really big boost to unity. And it's a very good symbol that the Asian elected officials are marching right along and showing that we can work together to build on the success. We're going to have another meet event on May 1st, in which we invited all the Asian elected officials together in one place and let them work out and build unity. Then this time we don't have a limit because we can accommodate everybody that wants to come. So it was a very celebratory event. It was an, a symbol of unity, and we had it more. Dennis?
2: I, I'm smiling about that event. We all had red jackets with our names on them, and it was fun. We had a float, and Attorney General Rob Bonta and his wife were on the float. Everybody was blowing their yellow whistle. And even though we were almost at the tail end, because I guess people have been just starving to be out, there were kids all over, waving, happy, and it was very inspiring. And as Joe said, everybody who was there is an elected public official. The people from San Francisco typically have their own votes. Uh, but the, the other thing that's really important is that this event you just mentioned is going to happen in May. It's not going to be held in San Francisco, by the way. It's going to be held in Fremont. It's a recognition of the growing importance of Fremont. It is a who's who of Asian public officials. So your work continues? My work, our work, we all help each other. We we pick up the phone, we call each other, and says, Hey, would you get me so and so? I think I know so and so. Would you ask them to come? So we're all helping each other to do what's best for all of us.
0: Well, I commend you for
2: continuing to build
0: the network upon the success that you've already had. Plans are very deliberate and strategic, which I think is an absolute necessity for success and that you're obviously on the right track. Congratulations to both of you, and we thank you for all your work you do for the Asian American community and for the United States of America. Thank you. Thank you. you. It's a pleasure to be on. I was left with several impressions as a result of this inspiring interview. The descriptions of the San Francisco School Board recall effort that Joel and Dennis provided us, along with their historical perspectives and future political strategic plans, are a future roadmap for a great awakening for Asian American activism all over the country. Their years of community leadership has taught them that none of us can afford to be passive in organizing our own communities. It's also critical to build partnerships and coalitions with the Black, Hispanic, and other communities that have been marginalized or ignored in the past, as the Willie Brown story so well exemplifies. Also, I am especially struck by how a particular issue or event such as a crisis in education and public safety has the capacity to unite all people in an effort to protect and improve their children's education and also their seniors and vulnerable communities. Lastly, I have to say I was a bit envious of them hearing their personal tells and descriptions of the Lunar New Year event in Chinatown this year. It provided the perfect celebratory culmination of the community's success not only with the recall, but also in uniting all of the San Francisco communities at large. It's a great story and one we hope will be repeated in the future, not only in San Francisco, but around the country.
2: This is Dr. S. K. Lowe, President of Asian American Unity Coalition, or in short, AAUC. Thank you for listening to our AAUC podcast series on Building Our Collective American Dream. Please subscribe and comment on our podcast and tune in to our next podcast episode on the last Sunday of each month at 8 p.m. Eastern Time. The AAUC podcast is supported by our active individual lifetime members and organization members. For more information about AAUC, please go to our website at asamunitycoalition.org.